From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Good evening. I hope you've had a fantastic Thursday. I'm Jody Heiss, a senior advisor to the president here at the Family Research Council, and extremely honored to be filling in today for Tony and equally thrilled to have you on board with us. We have a tremendous program lined up for you this evening. Let me give you some of the highlights headed your way. Let's begin with this. Today is a great day for America, for fairness, for families, and most importantly, for female athletes. House Republicans pledged before the last election our commitment to America to protect women and girls in sports. Today, we kept that promise. That was House Speaker Kevin McCarthy celebrating the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act, which passed the House earlier today, straight on party lines, 219 to 203. Not a single Democrat voted to keep biological males out of women's sports, nor to keep them out of the locker rooms. But nonetheless, the legislation passed, and I just personally want to take a moment to say thank you to all of you who signed the Family Research Council petition, urging your representatives to support this bill. Trust me, folks, your message was received loud and clear, and we thank you. And then there's a shutdown over the debt ceiling, the showdown. This is really dangerous. Mega Republican Congress are threatening to default on the national debt, the debt that took 230 years to accumulate overall, overall, unless we do what they say. They say they're going to default unless I agree to all these wacko notions they have. That, of course, was President Biden yesterday blasting Republican efforts to limit his administration's out-of-control spending uh, can Republicans stay united and continue to stand toe-to-toe with this administration, both to rein in spending and to bring an end to skyrocketing inflation? Well, here in just a moment, Congressman Bob Good will join me to discuss that issue. Also, increased religious persecution. We're seeing it all across the country, and it all really skyrocketed after the passage of the Respect for Marriage Act, the Disrespect for Marriage Act, as we call it around here. Uh, And now many people are asking if it's time specifically to have some legislation defending the First Amendment. Well, FRC's Kena Gonzalez will explain that issue a little bit further in the program. And then some very disturbing videos were released last night from Project Veritas. It hit the web, videos that include shocking footage of pediatric clinic workers admitting that children as young as eight years old are considered for hormone procedures and the path to what most accurately described to be body mutilation. We do have patients who are starting as young as uh, eight, nine. Um, So we do have folks on the younger side. It's just stunning. Well, we'll talk about this and some other shocking admissions that came forth from those videos a little bit later in the program. All right, folks, so we've got a lot of great topics for you. You don't want to miss any of them, but if by chance you do miss any part of today's program, I want to remind you now that this and past shows can be found at our website, TonyPerkins.com, and you can also find all sorts of uh, details as well as action items for all the shows there at the website. So be sure to check it out a little bit later on. All right, now let's get into our first topic. 
Yesterday, House Republicans released a budget uh, legislation that includes a debt ceiling increase, but also it includes $4.5 trillion in savings. For his part, the president referred to the mere idea of cutting spending as a wacko notion. You just heard him say that a few moments ago. What in the world is wacko? Responsible spending? Uh, fighting inflation? Well, let's talk more about this. Joining me now to discuss this and more is Representative Bob Good. He serves on the House Budget Committee and the Committee on Education and Workforce. He represents the 5th Congressional District of Virginia. Congressman Good, always great to see you. Welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to see you again, my friend, Jody. Thanks for having me. Well, it's our, our blessing in every way. Listen, before we get into this debt ceiling debate, uh, would you just remind our listeners, our viewers, what the national debt actually is? Yeah, it's nearly $32 trillion. It represents about $100,000 per citizen, about $300,000 per household or actually per taxpayer. Just an astronomical amount of debt. Percent to GDP is about 125%, meaning our national debt is about 25% higher than our gross domestic product, our total output as an economy hasn't been that high since World War II. And of course, the president is responding with his proposed $7 trillion budget. Uh, it would be the largest budget in the history of the country, would run a $2 trillion deficit for the first time in the history of the country. He wants to respond to the end of the massive increase in spending under COVID with more spending. Could he be more out of touch with the danger of the country, the threat that's uh, presented by our fiscal situation? Yeah, it's 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 just absolutely mind-boggling and out of touch. I think is a, a very polite way of saying it. In fact, he goes so far as to say that Republicans' proposals to try to get our out of control spending under control is a wacko notion. I mean, to think that it is wacko for a Congress to think about children, grandchildren, uh, about this out of control debt. What in the world is wacko about trying to be fiscally responsible? You wonder if, is he just that economically illiterate, that fiscally incompetent, where he really doesn't understand fundamentals and what the debt is doing to our country, what the threat is of that amount of massive amount of debt, that overspending is unsustainable, what it's doing to inflation, what it's doing to the value of the dollar, the risk of us not being the international currency, forcing a, uh, you know, we, the only default we'll have, he's lying, by the way, as you know. So is he fiscally incompetent or is he maliciously trying to cause these bad things to happen to our country? But as you know, he is also, Jody, lying about, he's saying Republicans are threatening a default. That's, of course, not coming out of the mouth of any republic. No Republicans is threatening a default. We, in fact, would not have a default, even if we did not increase the debt limit, because there's more than enough revenue to pay our obligations, to pay for Medicare, Social Security, and to pay the interest on the debt. It would just force a, 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 to us to prioritize our discretionary spending. However, with Republicans hopefully next week passing out of the House a proposal to raise the debt limit in exchange for significant cuts and reforms, uh, it will be the Senate and the White House that will choose uh, to, uh, to, to not pass that if they don't, to not sign that into law. It'll be them who are acting irresponsible and continue to act recklessly with the nation's finances and the nation's economy. That's an excellent point, excellent point, because really the ball is in their court. So let's talk about some of the proposals that you'll be voting on next week and some of the cuts. Uh, what, what are some of the issues that uh, are in the proposal that will come forth next week? 
Well, I want to frame it just back for a moment. This is what January was about with changing how Congress would operate when we went through that uh, battle for the speaker, for leadership, and also to, for new rules to how Congress would operate. Because, Jody, if we did not go through that, you can bet, and you know this from your history in Congress, we would be having a $4 trillion debt limit increase agreed to by both parties with no cuts in spending, no reforms whatsoever, what they call in Washington talk, a clean debt ceiling increase, which is nothing of the kind, as you know. And none of us on the conservative side, Republicans, you know, you probably never voted for a debt ceiling increase. None of us want to do that. But we do recognize the responsibility we have as a majority party. We don't want to have, you know, some of our leadership go and make a deal with Democrats and do something terrible. So what we have, uh, the proposal that we put forward, and the, the details are still getting fine-tuned. I think we're going to be able to get 218. I want us to get 218. But in very simple top terms, it cuts about $5 trillion in spending over the next 10 years. It cuts about a trillion dollars in spending in the first year. It rescinds uh, Biden's uh, student loan transfer scheme. It rescinds his expansion of the IRS. It cuts about $400 billion worth of climate funding, climate uh, credits that he had in the in, in the Inflation Increase Act. It uh, it goes back to pre-COVID spending for non-defense discretionary spending. It really is historical cuts that we haven't seen in 30 years. It's got the RAINS Act as part of it, which uh, means that any significant regulatory uh, burden or new rulemaking from the agencies and the executive branch has to receive a vote in Congress. It also has the HR1, our energy bill, renewing American energy again, unleashing American energy again. Those kind of things cobbled together are transformational, historical, uh, and that's just the first step, Jody. Uh, of course, we got to get it through. We got to have we got to have nerves of steel. And what I'm conveying to leadership is this is the deal. This is not a negotiating tool to weaken it down and think we're going to do a, a greater increase in the 1.5 trillion that's part of the proposal, or to have less of the reforms and cuts in place. This is the deal. We need to show nerves of steel and force the Senate and the White House to accept it. But then we want to go after more spending cuts this fall in the appropriations process, work on that through the spring and the summer, serve notice that we will not pass these spending bills unless they eliminate this additional funding. Uh, and then we get another crack at the apple, another bite at the apple, I should say, next year as well, because the proposal just extends the debt ceiling uh, to March 31 or $1.5 trillion, whichever comes first. Well, that's tremendous. Well, you know, and I do want to get to another topic before we hit our break here. But, of course, Schumer and Hakeem Jeffries, others are coming out. This is an extreme step in the wrong direction, all these kinds of ridiculous things. But, but uh, Bob, from my perspective, at least what I'm seeing, what I'm sensing, and we've, it's been a long time since we've, since we've seen this, but the impression I get is the Republicans really united in holding the line with negotiations with the president uh, is that an accurate uh, sensing right now? Well, as you know, this is just my second term, but the dynamic in Congress and in the Republican conference is totally different than it was the previous two years. Uh, the Freedom Caucus is largely leading the way. This proposal originated with the Freedom Caucus. We essentially got everything that we asked for. Again, the details still need to be worked out. Hopefully we'll get it all finalized and get it passed out of the House next week. But what about the proposal is unreasonable? What about it is extreme? The, the fact is, of course, none of it is. To go back to pre-COVID spending, before the emergency and the ramp up, the massive unprecedented spending on the Biden administration, 
Uh, that was the, pre-COVID. That was the largest budget in the history of the country ever. And right. so, yeah, with that, we consider that reckless and ridiculous and wasteful and unjustified uh, pre-COVID. And that's where we want to go back to. And that's just the first step among many that's steps awesome. to get us to path to fiscal responsibility. Well, thank you for your leadership in that. I want to, and if you would hang over uh, during the break, I got a ton of things I want to ask you, but I want to throw this uh, clip up, shifting gears a little bit. Alejandro uh, Mayorkas, DHS secretary, was testified before Congress yesterday. Uh, let's play this clip. I want to get your reaction. It is my testimony that the border is secure, and we are working every day, day and night, to increase its security. The challenges that we are experiencing at the border cannot be overstated. Okay, look, we've got we've got less than a minute here, uh, so uh, we'll, we'll get into some more after the break. But the border is secure. Come on. What would he define as an unsecure border? The Mexican crime cartels could not design a better border policy for themselves to make billions of dollars of trafficking humans and drugs and criminals across our border if they design it themselves. This is willful, purposeful facilitation of a border invasion on behalf of Joe Biden and Secretary Mayorkas. Absolutely. It's uh, it's it's incredible that he would even have the nerve to testify before Congress. I, I've been seeing people saying he perjured himself. I don't know. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. But Congressman, we need to you, hang on. Yes, uh, we can hit on that after the break. Can you stay yes, tuned sir. a sure little thing. bit longer? Okay, great. Be glad to. All right. Thank you, Congressman Good. Folks, listen, after the break, we're going to continue this discussion with uh, Congressman Bob Good. We've got the female sports bill that passed today. A lot of issues to discuss, and we'll continue with Congressman Bob Good from Virginia right after this break. Thanks for joining us on Washington Watch. We'll be back right after this. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org slash Bible. First Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org worldview. 
Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Jody Heiss, and there's so much more that I want to discuss with my last guest, Congressman Bob Good from Virginia, and thankfully he's agreed to continue that congress uh, conversation. Congressman Good, thanks for sticking around. We appreciate it. My pleasure, Jody. All right, listen, before we jump into some other topics, you mentioned right before we had to go to the break about the uh, Secretary Mayorkas needing to be impeached. Is that concept, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more, but is there momentum, any traction to that? Um, I mean, if uh, there is no way to say this, the border is secure. Uh, he has failed to do his job. Is there a movement towards impeachment? Well, Speaker now Speaker McCarthy had said when he was the minority leader that he would support impeaching Mayorkas. And so we need to push him to that effect and hold him accountable to that. Uh, certainly you cannot allow this lawlessness to continue, this irreparable harm that's already been done to the country with some 7 million illegals who've invaded the country, about 5.5 million of those who've been released in the country, apprehended, encountered, as they say, then released with free travel, free housing, free social services, free uh, welfare, free education, free health care, all of that. Uh, and, and from 170 different countries, almost all of them fraudulent claims of asylum, just released in the country with no court date to appear. Plus, as you know, Jody, about a million and a half criminal gotaways, those who don't want all those benefits and to be treated like those five and a half million. Uh, we've we've caught 176 on the terrorist watch list among those who we prevented being part of the five and a half million. What about the 1.5 million criminal gotaways? And how do we let this go on for another nearly two years in the Biden presidency without taking action? We know Mayorkas is just executing Biden's vision. This is the plan. It's not that they don't know what they're doing or that they're, they think that they're failing and they're incompetent. Every resource they're committing to the border is to get as many illegals in the country as quickly as possible. And only time will tell, Jody, the irreparable harm that's been done. And I would submit, again, that never in the history of the country has our own president done more to intentionally harm the United States than what the president's done just with the border alone? Well, there's got to be accountability, and I'm so grateful that you and others are there pressing this. Uh, our system does not work without accountability. Now, I've got a couple of other things I want to hit on. First, the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act, and then I want to end with a, a resolution that you have coming forward. So first of all, congratulations on passing this protection on women and women, uh, girls and sports and so forth today. Uh, your overall thoughts of that? Great step forward. 
if anything illustrates who the left is, who the Democrat Party is, and how far we have fallen as a country, and what is at stake on who we want to be, it's the failure to recognize truth. God created sex and gender uh, that we can think ourselves or wish ourselves or change ourselves into something else. You know, we're immutably male or female. Every one of the trillion or so cells that we have is male or female, no matter how we might change our outward appearance or how we might act or dress. But to think that Democrats uh, cannot even bring themselves for one Democrat, not one, thankfully, all Republicans voted for this bill, but not one Democrat would join us in saying that men who uh, are trying to become women cannot uh, compete in women or girls sports, which obviously is unfair to women. It threatens girls and women who've you know worked all of their lives to achieve some level of success uh, or championship or a scholarship, not to mention uh, we need to protect women and girls in their private spaces and locker rooms and restrooms and and those sorts of things. But we could not get one Democrat to join us. How sad and how illustrative of where we are as a country. It really is. In fact, the Democrats are trying to throw it right back at the Republicans and say that to pass this bill actually would lead to uh, greater invasion of privacy. In fact, here's uh, the Democratic caucus, Pete Aguilar, uh, said the following. But if you guys play clip 13, please. Republicans advocating for coaches to inspect young women. Are they comfortable for a, a referee or an athletic director? That's what this is about. And so if you have a young daughter playing sports, you should be incredibly concerned about this bill. It's just stunning how they try to turn everything upside down. Uh, your, your reaction to Aguilar? If Democrats aren't lying, then they're not talking. Uh, they lie about every issue. They do that, which they accuse others of doing. Uh, as you know, we all know what a man is. We know what a woman is. Our, our newest Supreme Court justice can't or wouldn't define a woman. Uh, the Secretary of Education, Cardonia, just in a hearing this week, couldn't or wouldn't define what a woman is. The American people know. The American people are with us. I think it's 87 percent want this kind of protection for women and girls in sports, despite what the Democrats say. Okay, let's uh, switch to one more topic I want to get to, because I'm really proud of your leadership in this. You serve on the House Education and Workforce Committee, and you're preparing a Congressional Review Act resolution that would roll back the Biden administration's rule that literally discriminates against faith-based federal contractors. Uh, tell us about this resolution. Well, thank you to Family Research Council for being on the front line on this issue, along with many other issues, all of our values issues. But as you know, President Trump was a champion for religious freedom and protecting that, really the strongest advocate we've had in the White House to that effect. And then the Biden administration has tried to reverse that and make it more difficult for faith-based institutions, faith-based organizations, charitable organizations that are coming from a faith-based perspective to practice their faith, to exercise their faith, to hire according to their faith, has put them, uh, has discriminated against them in terms of their ability to, uh, to be uh, federal contractors, to contract for services. Uh, that where they're ministering to their community, but they're doing it from a Christian or another faith-based perspective. And so this Congressional Review Act, of course, is a congressional tool for us to override uh, the egregious actions of this administration that are discriminating on, against those who are practicing their faith. And we're going to stand strong with them and unashamedly, unapologetically so. That's awesome. Where do you see this going? Is, is Are you getting a number on board? Uh, what's the general attitude towards it? 
Well, uh, we've not met any resistance yet on the Republican side, of course. And sadly, unfortunately, we don't expect Democrats to support it. But if we can get the Republicans behind it, then we'll get to we'll hopefully be able to pass this on the House floor. Well, Congressman Bob Good, I tell you what, it's always great to see you. And you were a champion for uh, our, our values, Judeo-Christian values. You are conservative through and through. It's always great to speak with you. And we're honored to have you on the program this evening. Thanks for your leadership in the House, Jody, your example, and thanks for continuing the fight through FRC even today. Well, thank you so much. Have a blessed evening. All right, friends, coming up, we've got more that we want to bring your way. Um, the First Amendment is under attack. Religious persecution is on the rise right here in our own country. Many are saying that it's time that the First Amendment itself be protected and defended. We're going to be be discussing that here in just a few moments so you don't want to go anywhere. Thank you for joining us this evening on Washington Watch. Stick around. We'll be right back. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Jody Heiss, and honored to be with you this evening. Thank you for joining us. All right, when Congress voted last year to redefine marriage, it not only disregarded the population of Americans who maintain that marriage should be between a man and a woman, but it also directly exposed them to attacks on their liberties. As a result, we've seen an increase on what amounts to religious persecution in this country. We saw it earlier this year when Jacob Kersey was forced out of his job as a police officer for a Facebook post on his personal Facebook account about biblical marriage. More recently, Cross Point Church in Maine 
which operates a Bangor Christian Schools, has been excluded from Maine's school choice program for not rejecting the truth that marriage is between a man and a woman. These situations have a lot of people asking, really, is it time for a First Amendment Defense Act? Well, joining me now to discuss this is Kana Gonzalez. He's the Senior Director of Government Affairs at the Family Research Council. Kana, welcome back to Washington Watch. It's great to be with you, Jody. All right, well, we've got uh, our viewers and listeners of uh, Washington Watch know the story. Jacob Kersey, we covered that well. And certainly it, it exemplifies everything we said was going to happen with the passage of the so-called Respect for Marriage Act, which was really the Disrespect Act. But uh, what are some other examples that uh, are happening across the country that where discrimination is taking place because of people's religious views? Yeah, Jody, uh, people's views on marriage, that marriage is or should be between a man and a woman, are very much under attack, and not just culturally, not just at work and at school, but the government is taking action against people. You cited an excellent example of Bangor Christian School in Maine. They had sued, uh, Christian schools in Maine had sued to be part of the school choice program uh, because they had been excluded in Maine for many years uh, on the basis of the fact that they're overly religious. And they lost at the Supreme Court. Those who would exclude Christian schools lost at the Supreme Court. So what did Maine do? They turned around and said, okay, Christian schools now can be eligible, but they can't have a strong stance on marriage. They can't believe in one man, one woman marriage. And so the Bangor Christian School rightly is suing again with our, our good friends at First Liberty uh, for the right to participate uh, to come to the table and be a part of a school choice program that benefits private schools, public schools, uh, charter schools, they all should be equal. But in Maine, the state of Maine has said that your belief in marriage, that marriage is or should be between a man and a woman, uh, disqualifies you from participating in this program. It's not just one Christian school in Maine or one state. It's all over the country. Uh, you have the case of Jack Phillips, which is being argued by ADF, Jack Phillips is the cake baker from Colorado, who is now on his third effort to protect his right to uh, express himself through his art of making custom cakes without being forced to make cakes for same-sex weddings or gender identity. Um, uh, I, I don't know where this ends, but I can tell you, Jody, that it's not just these cases. There are others that I could cite, but it's really the tens or hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of Americans who've been silenced on this issue because they're afraid to speak up, because they know that the heavy hand of government, often their local or state government, will come after them because of their belief that marriage is between a man and a woman. Yeah, and you're exactly right. These things are popping up like almost like a rash all across the country. We're seeing more and more cases like this. And so many are beginning to say it's time that we support, if we will, or undergird or uh, underscore, however you want to say it, the First Amendment. And uh, Congressman Chip Roy is leading the way on this. He, he recently led a, a, a letter to some of his fellow Republicans uh, requesting that during the House appropriations uh, process is coming up, that language be added to prohibit the federal government from these type of discriminatory act actions like you're describing based on uh, one's views, a biblical view of marriage and so forth. Uh, so uh, there, I, I think last count, 23 Republicans that have signed on to that letter. First of all, tell us a little bit about what 
Congressman Roy is doing. And secondly, I re really want to address this. I would think there'd be a lot more than 23 that would sign on to this. Why, why do you think we only have 23 at this point? Well, that's a very good question and a question that we have been asking on Capitol Hill. My team and I are up there every week talking to members, talking to staff and educating them. You know, as you said before the break, Congress rushed to redefine marriage at the end of last year before Democrats lost the majority in the House. And unfortunately, they were not alone. There were Republicans who voted with them to redefine marriage, to include same-sex marriage, ignoring the real problems that come about when the government takes that stance on marriage. It's been used, and we warned it would be, and it is being used by activists using the levers of government to go after people. Uh, we have a lot of educating of members to do on this, and I'm happy to say that at least one of the signatories of that letter that Chip Roy spearheaded is someone who voted for same-sex marriage last year, but apparently sees the light now and sees that at least no matter what your views on marriage might be or what their views on marriage might be, people who disagree should not be persecuted, as the Supreme Court said the first time Jack Phillips went up to the Supreme Court. And so that's exactly what this language would do. It would say that any of the money that is set aside by Congress for spending uh, could not be used to persecute people of faith or people of no faith who believe that marriage is or should be between a man and a woman. We need people's help educating members of Congress. They can go to TonyPerkins.com and click the link, or they can go to FRCAction.org slash marriage. Hannah hey, Gonzalez, thank you so much for joining us on Washington Watch. We appreciate your insight tremendously. All right, friends, Project Veritas has released some very disturbing videos that came out last night revealing the truth, the undercover truth behind the scenes is not being told about children's gender clinics. Stay tuned. You don't want to miss what's coming ahead. We'll be right back right after this break. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. 
That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Jody Heiss. We welcome you to this edition of Washington Watch. And now we've got a very disturbing portion of the program that we want to bring your way. There was a shocking undercover video that was released yesterday by Project Veritas, and frankly, it confirmed what many of us suspected. We do have patients who are starting as young as uh, eight, nine. Um, okay. So we do have folks on the younger side. You heard that correctly, folks. I hope you were able to hear that. But basically, we have clinics now that consider children as young as eight years old as being eligible for transgender uh, surgeries and hormones and the like. And now remember, the national health services of other countries like Norway and Sweden, Finland, France, the UK, uh, all of these took a, a look at these practices that in essence are just mutilating children. And all of those countries put pause on this. And quite frankly, that is the natural conclusion. That is a good faith assessment of what the evidence is showing. Let's look at the evidence. And I think if we do, we'll do what those other countries did and pause. Well, joining me now to discuss this and more is Dr. Quentin Van Meter. He's the, uh, a pediatric endocrinologist and the former president of the American College of Pediatricians, as well as an associate clinical professor of pediatrics at Morehouse School of Medicine. Dr. Van Meter, welcome to uh, Washington Watch. Glad to have you back on the program. Always glad to be back. Thanks for having me. Well, it's our honor indeed. Okay, let's, uh, let's talk about this. You were actually interviewed in this expose uh, which is just the first part in a series that, that we'll be seeing, I'm sure, in the weeks to come. Uh, but overall, give me your reaction to this undercover journalism from Project Veritas. Well, you know, th thank goodness there are individuals who are uh, clever enough to get in behind the tents, if you will, and open the open the walls of these sort of dark places where uh, children are sent to be, quote, fixed, unquote. Um, all of us for, who are not in the uh, in the camp of affirming an incongruent gender for a child as an answer to their emotional and social problems, we have long suspected that in these gender clinics here in the United States, 
uh, that things were going on that were not uh, up to the standards that had been set, if you will, or discussed by the professional organizations, the uh, the WPATH, World Professional Association of Transgender Health, the Endocrine Society, the Pediatric Endocrine Society, have, have guidelines that are essentially all written from the WPATH playbook. But they all say right up front that the most important thing that you do for the child is to evaluate their mental health and make sure that they are absolutely and utterly sound of mind, that they are not clouded with anxiety and depression to the point where they are grasping for help and will just do, do go in any direction at all to solve what they think is is the answer to, you know, to go to the answer to their problems. And that that is always done first, and it's done in depth, and, it, and you know it's it's a situation where uh, the patient is not shoved into a medical uh, pathway uh, or even a, even a social pathway uh, until those issues are solved completely. Well, what we what we've suspected when we see people who come out of those clinics uh, and come running away screaming and saying, I, "I can't do this. This was the wrong thing. I realized I made a mistake," is that they have said to us. Um, there was no such evaluation. My family wasn't evaluated in depth. My siblings were never interviewed. Um, you know, my 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 step parents, my divorced dad and mom. You know, one one of the parents was never even talked to about what was going on at home. Uh, I have all these issues. You know, I I was fondled by my uncle, and no one even dared to ask that situation, things like that that come out that are so important that, that and we, we they, they're glossed over in these clinics and hormones are, are given literally sometimes at the first visit, as you will, as you will see in the very Project Veritas uh, video, Planned Parenthood. Yeah, can, uh, go ahead. Yeah, if we can, I want to, I want to go further in this because our time is, is uh, slipping away here. But yeah, not only the, the mental health, but just the age of these children from yeah. eight years old, 10 years old, 14. I mean, there there was uh, one pediatric specialist in adolescent medicine in New York that, that recognized the permanent effects of these procedures. Uh, and, and this particular person was dealing with a 14, uh, 14 year old. Let me hit this clip and again, sure. get your reaction to this. Question or hormones, testosterone in this case, um, you know, do have some permanent effects, uh, and so I need the I need the patient to be a little to be mature enough to make a a relatively informed decision. I get it that there are some fourteen year olds that are not, you know, mature, but generally speaking, they usually are pretty good. So we're not just talking about mental health stability, if you will, but just maturity of sure. of of children children being able to make massive. Uh, decisions like this, uh, the consequences of which carry with them the rest of your life. Your, your thoughts on that? Well, th there's no way an adolescent can wrap their head around infertility, uh, lack of complete lack of sexual function. Uh, the patients that, that have come to see me who are wishing so hard to go this pathway really believe that they can change their bodies into the opposite sex and function as the opposite sex. And they don't realize that no surgical procedure has been developed to create functioning sexual organs of the opposite sex that work in the way that brings normal sexual function 
uh, and satisfaction. No, no 14-year-old has a concept of, I don't want to have children. You ask any 14-year-old, they're, they're not going to want to have children. They're, they're very self-centered and can't think past the tip of their nose. Uh, and that's, you know, even the smart ones, even the ones who maybe make a, a wonderful financial decision about putting money into savings instead of squandering it. That's a great thing, but that does not show that they understand the consequences of harming their body for the rest of their lives. Absolutely. Now, what do you say about uh, these other countries that I, I referenced a little while ago? So many other countries in Europe in particular are looking at the evidence and this whole child mutilation they are seeing as the wrong path to go down. And yet we continue doing it here in our own country, in our own society, our medical society. What's wrong with the United States uh, in terms of us not being able to look at the science, look at the evidence, and make appropriate decisions in accordance with what the science tells us? Well, what's happened is that the transgender population has become a cause celebre for civil rights. It's and the, our our government, unfortunately, is pushing very hard to equate uh, gender as 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 biologic sex in terms of its importance and its innate nature. Uh, and by doing that, that the the really significant left, uh, you know, politically left wing activists are are grabbing a hold of this and making it a civil right. Uh, as strong as race, and and you know no one wants to go against that and go backwards in time to do things that were really uh, biologically based, and it should, you know no discrimination should be tolerated. So we're we're all put into a camp of being bigots and haters. Those of us that will not recommend that these things move forward. So it's it has really jumped to a, a, a quantum leap up into uh, pressure, political pressure. Uh, and, and it's very hard to, to discuss this and, and get any dialogue going at all, where the dialogue is, is squashed at every turn. Well, I think you hit it on the head. The issue is it has become a political discussion rather than a scientific one. And no doubt in my mind, even some of the videos that are coming forth reveal this, that there are some within the medical community who have a lot of question marks about this, but they're fearful of coming public and saying something about it. And we're going to have to keep uh, a very close pulse on this as we go for, further into it. Uh, but thank you, Dr. Uh, Van Meter. Always great to have you on the program. Thank you for your leadership on this issue and greatly appreciate you coming on Washington Watch this evening. Thank you very much for having me. You're welcome. All right, let's continue this conversation, an extremely important topic. And I'm joined now uh, by Dr. Jennifer Bowen. She's the director of the Center for Family Studies here at the Family Research Council. Prior to her work here at FRC, she worked as a clinician and a researcher addressing the effects of psychological trauma. So part of that, just for an example, she studied the effects of mass traumatic events like 9-11. So she's very much acquainted with the uh, research behind traumatic issues such as this. So Jennifer, welcome back to Washington Watch. It's a pleasure to have you. It's good to be with you, Jody. All right. So, look, we've been told these procedures are not happening on children below a certain age, but now these videos are coming forward and we are learning that that simply is not the case. Correct? Yeah. And every time we see another video, uh, it defies what has been told to the public about the science is settled and this isn't happening on young people. The surgeries are an exception. 
Um, it, this is rare. And, and then we get videos like what we're seeing released from Veritas Project that show, once again, um, there is way more going on behind closed doors than what, we're, what we've originally been told about these transgender procedures. Way more. I think that is spot on. Way more going on behind the scenes than what we are led to believe, and uh, including the pressure, the coaxing that's taking place for these children to participate in these uh, treatments and surgeries and so forth, uh, when, when they're supposed to be there to help. Uh, here's a clip. I, this j just illustrates what you're talking about, a clip from the Project Veritas uh, expose of a woman who transitioned as a teen only to transition later on. Catch this. I had a very brief, like, 15 to 30-minute appointment with her wherein she told me that I was a boy. So then I took that letter of recommendation to a pediatric endocrinologist, and that very same day I started testosterone, and then not even a whole year later, at 18, I had a radical double mastectomy. I mean, that's just unbelievable. Uh, is this stuff common or uh, in, or is are these exceptions to the rules we are we seeing more and more of this type of thing when it comes to the transgender procedures this is the norm this is what we're hearing over and over again is a fast track onto um, whether it be puberty blockers cross-sex hormones or surgical procedures there's usually this line that says, you know, you you are either going to transition or you're going to commit suicide. We that's probably the number one thing we hear over and over again. And Jody, I mean, what's disturbing is we have a lot of history of that shows us how to treat both um, people who are parts of uh, research experiments. And we have um, the companion to that in practice would be the Hippocratic Oath. And, you know, number one tenet of, of the Nuremberg Code says that we need to give informed consent and that the practice should not be coercive. Well, what are we seeing with the transgender procedures? This is very coerced. When you're telling a patient that you're either going to commit suicide or you're going to follow my treatment plan for your life. Um, that, and you're, you're um, saying this to perhaps, as we're learning now, uh, an eight-year-old. Yeah, so, it's unbelievable. It's just absolute cruelty. I mean, this has to border child abuse. Uh, if, I mean, many of us look at this whole thing as abusive, uh, as mutilation of children. But the way of getting from point A to point B is itself so abusive, like you're saying there, you're going to commit suicide or you're going to have these procedures. I want to show one more clip. This is from a, a pediatric endocrinologist in Canada who seems to very much be aware we're going through this, but something's wrong with it. Look at this. I to talk about it, but most of the kids are nowhere in any kind of a brain space to really, really, really talk about it in a serious way. I, that's always bothered me, but, you know, we still want the kids to be happy, happier in the moment, right? All right, so let's throw the science out. Let's throw the medical <laughs> stuff out. Let's just say, oh, the kids are going to be happier. Uh, where are we going, Jennifer? Uh, what is all this leading us to? Can you imagine parenting that way? Well, I'm just going to give my child whatever they want because, you know, they'll be happy in the moment. So um, I'm not going to put any boundaries around their life to keep them safe. Uh, gosh, what a mess. Um, and, I, and I think the, the end result of this 
is um, it, we come to the scripture, and, and I believe it's Luke 17, where, where Jesus says, you know, it's better for a millstone to be tied around your neck um, if you're going to hurt one of these little ones. Um, and, and I think the reason for that, Jody, is that, you know, these adult figures, it's, it's not just our parents. We have adults and systems in our life that are there to be an authority in a child's life. And when those systems are harming children, then um, we, we don't know the full result of that. When you have a school system that's affirming a false identity, you have the medical profession, uh, and, and then a parent who's maybe going along with this. That is extremely destructive to their concept of an authority figure, which ultimately is supposed to reflect back to who, who and what the nature of God is and who God is to them. And so you can, you can imagine on so many levels, obviously the physical, but the spiritual and emotional ramifications of this um, ideology that we're seeing injected in our culture um, is going to have over the long term. Absolutely. We've only got about uh, 30 seconds left here. Uh, but we're watching this merging of political ideology, emotional ideology versus science. And in that, we're told the science is settled when it is anything but settled. Uh, I, I'm just so concerned with what's going on, uh, Jennifer. And I want to thank you for your leadership in all of this. Real quickly, how, how do people need to pray as we go through this issue? Yeah, I think we need to stand in hope um, because we have a great opportunity to be the ones that say, this is the way, walk in it. And as it gets darker, um, the light shines brighter. And so we have a, a real opportunity in front of us in this hour. So, so be strong and stand and be in hope. Dr. Jennifer Bowens, thank you so much for your leadership on this issue. And thank you for joining us this evening on Washington Watch. It's good to be with you, Jody. All right, friends, listen, our commitment to you is to keep you up to speed as to what's happening in our country and to bring it to you from a Christian worldview perspective. Thank you for joining us this evening on Washington Watch. Have a great evening. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. 